0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 25th. Today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 31, and we are at the second full paragraph of the page. Today's readers are Marsha, Deb W., Eddie, and Paula. The reference number for Monday, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Hoodie to read the 12 steps. Hoodie, can you press star one to hi. unmute?
1: Hi, this hi, this is Hoodie. Compulsive overeater. The twelve steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four May direct demands to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sort through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, We try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these
2: principles in all our affairs. Thank you and pass.
0: Thank you, Hardy. I will now ask Rosanna to read the Twelve Traditions.
2: Good morning, good morning. The twelve traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two Policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Rosanna. How our meeting works. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 31. We're um, in the second full paragraph that starts with, here are some of the methods. And I will ask Marcia to begin reading, please.
3: Good morning, a vision for you. This is Marcia, I'm a compulsive, uh, recovered compulsive overreader. Here. Uh, here are the methods. Here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever, with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. We could increase the lot list ad infinitum. I'll stop there and say, oh, my goodness, the things that I have tried to control my eating, and um, it was not limited to books and diet clubs and... Exercise equipment and not eating breakfast, um, eating only only vegetables, trying to eat just a a candy bar a day. That was an interesting diet that I tried. Um, It was very trying trying to skip meals, trying to purge. I did I did everything under the sun that was possible to do to try and control this, and I was not. Able to control one iota of it, um, you know, t- signing up for for health clubs, the, that whole thing. Um, I, I I was in an eating disorder unit too, but uh, um, they were the ones that got me into OA essentially. But um, we've tried everything. If, it, if if your disease is like my disease, y- you've tried everything, and the only thing that works is letting go, and I'm glad that I found that out. I am glad today that I am in a program that has helped me to find the solution. The, solutions was not, the solution was not a diet, and that's all I ever tried was a diet. And uh, I'm here, and I thank God today that I am. I just celebrated my birthday on Sunday, and I spent the day in utter gratitude. I went to a meeting. I meditated with my higher power. And uh it was just the most wonderful day in a, in in my life and and i I wish I had days like that all the time and I can have days like that all the time now it's a It's a matter of being connected with my higher power and not letting food roll my life and with that, I'll pass
0: Thank you, Marsha. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
4: This is Paula. may I share? Sure, Paula, go ahead. Thank you. You know, it says there we could increase the list, and that we could. But you know, it keeps backing up to the next page, the page before, by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. Every one of these attests to that. Now, it looks crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. And yet we keep, as long as we're in that craziness, we will try anything, everything. I'll tell you, I will say it again. I have never met more creative people than compulsive eaters when they're trying to eat. There is so much here. But that was life. Always trying. Oh, I I, I know this time it's going to work. We'd hit that wall every time. But, you know, I didn't try this one. I do wonder if there was anything that was left out. But just in case they did add that, we could increase the list, and that we could. And with that, I will pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
5: Christy, this is Audrey. I'd like to share. Sure, Audrey. Go ahead. Good morning, my fellows. This is Audrey from Minnesota, Gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater. It is so true that the only solution is to let go in this moment. I got about four phone calls yesterday from people in program who were saying, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I can't seem to get it together. I don't know what to do. What do you do? And I said, well, I don't have all the answers, but all I know that in this moment, all I'm capable of doing is letting go, letting go and doing a few simple things every day. In that daily discipline, like it says here in the big book, there really is, the the list ad infinitum is, well, maybe this will work, maybe that'll work. There's so much craziness in that uh, frothy emotional appeal, and and I don't know why it works, but you know, those, those of us with, you know, more than, you know, 10 minutes of recovery or more than 24 hours of recovery, it's really just because of that willingness to let go in this moment. And what an incredible grace that is to not have to know anything else. There's nothing else to figure out, there's nothing else to do other than to kind of put one foot in front of the other and um, just realize that more field research, as we like to call it, is only just more suffering. So, with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Audrey. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? All right, let's move on to the next paragraph. Deb W., will you please read?
6: Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for you. My name is Deb. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Michigan. We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a bad case of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. And I'm going to stop there. Um, And I'd like to comment on this. This is so good because... um, I remember early on in recovery, um, you know, getting involved with the program of recovery. Um, I was so green and I did not realize um, who and what I was. And I was so quick to be judgmental about, oh, my friend over here is a compulsive over because she's got all the added fat on and just like me. And, you know, it's funny how God brings you along and he's renewing your mind and You realize this is not about comparing. This is about identification. I am not here to judge anybody to say if you are a compulsive overeater. And a friend of mine the other day asked me, well, do you think I'm a compulsive I'm like, you know what? The best best thing to do is to go over to the nearest kitchen, go into your kitchen, and just try and have it out with the food, you know? See if you can control it. Can you control it? You know, I don't need to diagnose anybody. We can do that convincing the, actually Sarah Lee will do the convincing for you, you know you need to figure that out for yourself, and I just love how it tells us um that we don't need to do that for anybody else. um The food will do all the convincing that um it needs to do, and um I love how it says it will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. I had to get honest. You know, I, I wanted so much to think I was a normal person when it came to food. But I had to concede in in my innermost being that I am definitely a compulsive overeater. Um, I had to finally come to terms with that and just say, yeah, this is who I am. And it's not going to change. I'm always going to be a compulsive overeater. And that's okay because that has allowed a relationship with God my relationship with God to deepen so much more, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Deb. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
7: Hi, this is Kim.
8: Kim, go ahead.
7: Good morning. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive, and readers in South Jersey. This is such a powerful paragraph, I I think it's a paragraph we don't utilize enough in the OA rooms because we're so afraid. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We want to make sure that they're okay. But the big book is telling us that we cannot convince anyone. You know, we should invite people to go back into their kitchen. You know, we have this twofold disease. We have an allergy of the body and we have an obsession of the mind. So what is this testing? This is testing do you have that allergy? And the only way that we can be convinced that we have that allergy often is to go into the kitchen and test it. To go into the kitchen, try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. You know, because me explaining something to you, me telling you, me lecturing you, is not going to convince you. Or if I do convince you, you're still going to have that reservation in the back of the mind. So go ahead. Diagnose yourself. And when you diagnose, when you recognize, when... Or if you do, maybe you don't. Who am I to judge? But if you can go into your kitchen and you can stop abruptly, maybe you're not a compulsive overeater. But if you are a compulsive overeater of my type and you try to have a slice, a sliver, a piece of your binge food, you are not going to be able to stop. As we said earlier, we do not have the ability to control and enjoy our eating. If we are controlling it, we're not enjoying it. And if we're enjoying it, we're not controlling it. So this is a gift that we give people. Let's give this people this gift. When we sit there and we say it's okay, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's okay. We're delaying. What's happening? People delay, deny, and defy this disease. I'm going to give you the gift. If you cannot handle it right now, if you cannot do this, go out to the bar room, do your research and development. And when you come back, I can take you by the hand and I can walk you through these steps. And with that, I
0: cash. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
9: This is Gita from New York.
0: Gita, go ahead.
9: Yeah. You know, anytime that somebody can tell us something that we don't want to hear, there's always a but. It can be a but uh, in recovery, whatever it is. Do something that we. Uh, that. We don't want to do, and there is always a but. But even if we convince ourselves that this is this is who we are, we we still have doubts sometimes. And what can you say about um, in the case that somebody is trying to convince us? There's for sure there's going to be doubts, and and so yeah, the best the best thing is is. Let, uh, let go and let God, let God lead the people uh, to recovery when they're ready. It all depends on, it's it all God's will and God's help and God's grace. Gita from New York, thank you. Mm, thank you, Gita. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is
0: morning, Paula. Sure, I heard Paula and then someone else. Eddie.
4: Eddie, very good. Go ahead, Paula, and then Eddie. Thank you. This would be Paula recovered compulsive overeat. I'm going to zero in on this line here. If now if is a condition that has to be met. If it isn't met, you cannot go further. If you are honest with yourself about it, not me, not a sponsor, not anyone else because we can't be with you 24 hours a day. You are with you 24 hours a day. And it says clearly, if you are honest with yourself about it, it may be worth a bad case for jitters. If you get a full knowledge of your condition, you can't have partial here. You have to know who and what you are to transform who and what you are. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Eddie, go ahead.
10: Good morning it's eddie in virginia uh, grateful recovered compulsive overeater good morning all happy to be here um i was looking at the line try you can quickly diagnose yourself uh, by stepping into the nearest barroom or in my case my kitchen um and i i thought back to um when i first uh, found out about oa and i went to a meeting and um, i sat there and i listened to um, i watched all these people come in and many of them were you know normal body size and uh, seemed quite content and um, then I, and I watched you know everybody file in and sit down, and then people started to speak the meeting started people started to speak and I realized that um you know they were telling me uh, about myself, however, they were not telling me what I wanted to hear, and what i didn 't want to hear was that um there were substances in my life that if I wanted what they had, I would have to give up um and so I thought to myself, this is really not for me. I'm really not what they are. And so I left. And six months later and 50 pounds heavier, I came back because I realized that I was what they were. And I wanted what they had. And by that time, I was desperate enough to do what they wanted me to do. So, you know, it you can't. Uh, I have a friend that um, you know desperately needs this program, and every time we speak on the phone, um, we don't see each other that often anymore. Geographically, we've moved; both of us have moved quite quite a bit apart. But every time we speak on the phone, um, and it comes around with almost every conversation, um, and she, you know, she laments about the fact that she's tried multiple times in the past six years that, uh, uh, that seven years that I've been in program to lose weight uh, with some degree of success every time. Um, and that she, you know, but you've kept it off. And, and, you know, when I try to explain to her, it's not about the weight. it's about, you know, living life free. Um, you know, I, I, even though I can't see her face anymore, I, she shuts down right in front of me because she's not ready to admit what she is. And I can't give that to her. Unfortunately, I can't. If I could, I would, but I can't. She's got to figure that one out on her own. So I pray for her. That someday she'll come to to know what the power and and the, the the freedom of this program, but you know I thank God every morning that I was able to find that and that today I live in freedom, freedom from my um, my disease and um, and I am grateful for that every day. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Eddie. This is Christy, a recovered compulsive overeater, and. Um, You know, that line, if you get a full knowledge of your condition, I remember in 2001 when, you know, finally, finally, I had gotten um, full knowledge of my condition. And, of course, I wanted everyone else to have full knowledge of their condition as well. I wanted people to have their lives saved as mine had been. And I remember talking to my brother-in-law, who was a hardcore aa -er who had been in, you know, been in treatment many times and finally, finally grabbed the life ring and was pulled into the lifeboat. And I remember talking to him and saying, you know, what do you do? What do you do with people who who desperately want help? And they, they're asking, you know, what do I do, Christy? I want to be saved. I just can't do it. I can't get abstinent. I can't stop. And what he told me he did is he handed him 20 bucks and told him to go get booze. You know, he said you could hand him twenty bucks and say, Go get pizza. I mean that's that was that was what he did, which is essentially what this paragraph says to me. You know, continue eating, go into the kitchen, try stopping. Eat and then try stopping. Have just one. Have that slice, have that sliver, as someone mentioned earlier. You know, it's not um unfortunately there's no you know, there's no set of rules that says, you know, when you're 170 pounds overweight, that's when it will happen for you. That just happened to be, you know, for me, that's how bad it got for me. It's not the same for everybody. You know, there's another line in one of the stories that I just love, and it says, it's not what you did with food. You know, I'll change the words. It's not what you did with food. It's what food did to you. It's not what you did to food, it's what food did to you. And that's what it was for me. That's what it was for me. I had, to, I had to get to that place all by myself, all by myself. And, you know, whether it takes decades or whether it doesn't quite take that long, which I hope for you, for your sake, for your sanity, that it doesn't take that long. You know, it can happen any time, but it has to happen, or at least it had to happen for me on my own. I was the one that had to come to that. I had to get to that point. I had to get to that point where um, I pronounced to myself myself. I had a problem I had a problem and I had full knowledge of that problem um, I didn't understand that it was a physical allergy and I didn't understand that it was a mental obsession that was presented to me but I got to the point where I didn't want to live one more minute the way I've been living Not one more minute I couldn't take it I couldn't take it anymore and that was it that was it for me and again it's different for everybody um, it takes what it takes it takes what it takes you know I've heard people say you hit bottom when you stop digging because there's no end in sight for someone like me. There is no end in sight. There will always be something else that comes along that maybe I could try, that maybe would work. Um, and I just decided in my heart, my soul, you know, the depths of every cell of my body that I had had enough. And uh, I'm just grateful that I got to that point. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph? Good
7: morning. This is Margaret.
0: Okay, Margaret, and then I heard several other people. Uh, Margaret, why don't you go ahead and then we'll sort it out when you're done.
7: Good. Thank you, Christy. This is Margaret Recovered from South Jersey. I want to just share how I I just love the way this meeting allows people because we know we can't We can't force anybody and and we can't convince anybody um, that they are one of us. But certainly nobody could convince me. You know, I was one of the ones that just did not want to be a part of this we. I did not want to be a part of this we. But I think the one thing I can give is that I think I could have gone a couple more years. I really do. But I have a lot of people around me. I have my sister. I have a lot of good friends that the writing is on the wall. And if you can be a watcher, if you can't get it yourself, but you can observe what this disease does to other people close to you, and you see what it does and where you're going, sometimes that can interrupt it enough because I know, I know in my heart of hearts that even if I didn't get that far, I was going. And I couldn't turn back on my own. I could not turn back on my own. So I'm grateful because I do think I had another couple years in me, believe it or not. I mean, that's just hard for me to imagine, but I do think I did. But like I said, it is in seeing the disease in other people and how sad it is for me to watch people that I love with this diabetes and with these other things that it is just taking their life one day at a time, and I was right behind them. I was right behind them, and I knew I had to turn, and if I didn't turn, I would be right there. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Margaret. I heard a couple of other people jump in, I believe. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Carolyn. Carolyn?
11: Hi.
0: Go ahead, Carolyn.
11: I have a compulsive overeater, and I know it. For me, it was all about the research and development committee. I did that for 24 years. Every time the development would start saying that um, I'm recovered, I'd go right back out there and try it again on my own. And it took me 24 years before I realized that I wasn't fully conceding and I wasn't fully giving myself over to this program, which is why I had to keep doing research and development. And for me today, I'm so grateful that I don't have to do that And I don't have to tell people that they're compulsive overeaters. I can let them see for themselves because I used to try to also jump in and control other people's lives as well and and try to tell them what they were because I knew everything. Well, come to find out, I don't know anything. And the more I realize that, the better off I am because I can keep out of my own way as well as other people's way and let them find out on their own just like I had to. And all I can do is pray for them, pray that they get what they need, and, you know, just keep them with my thoughts and prayers. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move to the
8: next one? Hi, yes. Christy, good morning. This is Melanie. I would like to share. Go ahead, Melanie. Hi, good morning. Um, We do not like to pronounce an individual as alcoholic, and I know other folks have talked about that this morning. Um, But when I read that, I refer back to my own experiences when I have um, shared with somebody else what I thought that their problem was, when I have um, then taken it and said, well, this is what's happened for me, and I surely could see that it was the food. It's a scary thing, (laughs) you know, to pronounce somebody uh, an alcoholic, um, compulsive overheard or whatever, but I have to tell you it was because I was afraid of whether or not I was going to be rejected. And what I want... So because of that, because of that uh, selfish interest, I want to just simply say, what a great thing that in this very short paragraph that spans two little pages, that the the folks that wrote this book said, said it for me, said it boldly for me, step over to the nearest bar room. You know, because... I, I am such a sensitive person. I have tried even the uh, approach of uh, step into your nearest kitchen, and there's not a way in the world that I was able to phrase my sentence or use my tonal inflection to not sound somewhat to the listener that I was being holier than thou and it truly isn't that case at all but i wanted to say that at least out loud here that it is not an easy thing to have any of these conversations with people in my in my particular experience and i'm grateful that the big book says this over and over and over again and if that's not enough um some of my favorite passages are in um the 12 steps and 12 traditions of alcoholics anonymous and they use the word john barleycorn That that John Barleycorn himself, on page 24, it talks about John Barleycorn himself had become our best advocate. And on page 29, it says again, uh, John Barleycorn had other ideas. And what it's telling me over and over and over again, the only convincer is going to be the food itself. When that finally whips me down, which it did for me, Pinned to the mat by my throat, my even with me thrashing around trying to get up again, it pinned me. And the big book tells me that over and over and over again. And so again, my mind gets in this to tell me that I'm not. And thank God we have this particular meeting to bring and pull all the all the all the curtains back to the to the great and powerful Oz. <laughs> that it's the food, it's the food. Put it down, and with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Melanie. Anyone else like to share on this paragraph? All right, Eddie, would you please read the next paragraph?
5: Eddie, can you
0: press star 1 to unmute? Yes, Eddie, a Grateful Compulsive Overeater in Virginia.
10: Thank you. Um, Good morning, all. There is no way of proving it. We believe that early in our uh, drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. Uh, Would you like me to continue on to the next? Because it seems to be a continuation of the paragraph, but or shall I stop there?
0: Um, you know what? Why don't
10: you stop there, Eddie? Very good. Okay. Uh, good morning again. This is Eddie in Virginia, a grateful, compulsive, uh, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and yet, you know what? For me, I'm, I'm not sure um, there was ever a point in my eating career that I could have stopped. I, I, I seem to remember um, from very early childhood that I um, was, you know, a, a compulsive overeater, um, that I had the desire to completely walk away from this uh, i, I don 't think so, but you know there, obviously there were times in my life when I did stop because, as I've mentioned before, um, there were at least six times in my adult life where, where I lost huge amounts of weight, you know only to put it on and a little bit more each time but um, you know the the desire to to stop eating was really the problem for me, and that that was the only desire I had there was there was no awareness of the fact that this was, for me, not just just about the food. Obviously, the food was a, was a big uh, portion of it, but it was not just about the food. Um, it was about the way I lived life and the way I viewed life. Um, and that was something that I just never, never could see until I found the program. And um, so there were those vain attempts, as it says, it said earlier in in the book, to stop eating unsuccessfully, Um, looking for the problem. I guess was I did not I didn't know what I was looking for. I was looking for a way to be a quote unquote normal eater, um, and you know, didn't understand that there was more to that to my to my problem than just picking up the food and putting it down again. But uh, thank God that today I have this program and I understand that there is, um, the allergy of the body and, and most importantly, you know, the obsession of the mind. And that's the only way that I was able to put down the food and start living again. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
8: Hi, this is Melanie, compulsive reader.
0: Melanie, go ahead.
8: Hi, good morning again. Um, I think that when I was um, 16 years old, I might have had such an experience. Um, I was... um I came home from school. I always ate when I came home from school. I had to eat when I came home from school because I had been through a day of whatever. I didn't know. I didn't connect it truly as I can now. But um, I was in it to relieve all that anxiety that I had around whatever it was I was doing. And I I was walking into the kitchen getting ready to open up the refrigerator and the cabinets, and I had this thought. And it was so loud, and the thought was, you know, you could probably stop this now, and if you don't, it's going to get worse and it's going to be easier if you do this now it's probably going to be harder if you keep doing this because it's going to become a habit i had that thought at 16 and this is from a young woman that every single and i'm not i'm not exaggerating this i came from a town of 400 people in the mountains and every single woman in my life was obese and grossly obese and that's what we did we ate but i had this idea and If folks tried to do anything else about their obesity, they dieted. But I had this idea that it was going to get worse and not better. And I have to say at this point that was a message from some sort of, you know, certainly power outside of me, and it was astounding. And then it certainly, as I've learned more, corresponds with what we are taught in here. It's a progressive disease. I even knew that without reading anything. In the mountains, in in the early 1970s, late 60s, there was no talk. There was no 12-step talk in that place. This came from within. I believe that I could have, and it corresponds directly to this is a progressive disease. And there came a shift that I couldn't have. Yeah, so I just wanted to to mention that, that it works together here. It proves out to be the truth, that it's a progressive disease. It had progressed probably from the time that I was smaller. I started showing signs of being overweight about third grade, and here I was at 16, and I was at an average weight. But my friends were still about 10 or 15 pounds lighter than I was. But um, as many of us have been able to attest, we look at pictures, and it wasn't too bad yet. And I had the thought. It's very interesting, isn't it? And uh, with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Melanie. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
8: Hi, this is Kim.
0: Kim, go ahead.
7: Good morning again, everyone. We believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is still yet time. And why is that? Because the food's still working. Why would one else stop when the food's still working? It still helped me when I was sad. It still helped me quell my anger. It still gave me energy when I didn't have any. It calmed me down when I was hyperactive. So why would I want to stop then? You know, and I know when I did my fourth, first fourth steps, I did not do it by the big book. I did it through a of literature. It was a psychological exploration of my childhood. Maybe I can figure it out. Maybe I can figure out that exact moment when the switch flipped. And if I can figure that out, maybe I can switch that flip back And I can go back to the time that the food worked. Because that's all I wanted. I wanted to go back to when the food worked. But that's the problem is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. And even if I did, even if I was able to do that Freudian information and figure out that moment in time, maybe it was fourth grade, maybe it was my sophomore year in high school, maybe it was my junior year in college. Yes, I found that that's the moment. But does that change anything? No. It doesn't change anything because I am now the pickle. So if I can figure out that moment when I came from the cucumber to the pickle, does that change what I have to do now? Does that change the fact that I have to admit I'm powerless? Does it change the fact that I have to find a power? Does it change the fact that I have to make a decision? Does it change the fact that I have to do these action steps? Absolutely not. So what an exercise in futility. Sure. There could have been a time when I could have stopped my eating. But the fact was, I'm not there. You know, I think of Bill's story when it says that alcohol ceased to be a luxury and is now a necessity. Food was now a necessity, and regardless of how much I wanted to fantasize about the time when it worked, how much I wanted to think if this could have been different if that could have been different, it isn't different. Food had, had, had gone from the friend to the enemy, and I needed to accept that fact and I needed to move forward in this program of recovery. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph?
12: Good morning. It's Leah.
0: Leah, go ahead.
12: Yes. Hi, Christy. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, but the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is still yet time. That's true. You know, honing in on that word desire, you know, what was my desire? Um, you know, I wanted at that point, you know, to eat without the consequences. I still desired to seek that ease and comfort that I could find by digging my fists into a cellophane bag in a bakery box Um You know, I needed to eat some more, as the book suggests, until the pain got so bad. Um, And, of course, there were times, you know, but the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there's still yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. I mean, as the disease progressed and as the consequences began to escalate, Um, You know, I had that overpowering desire to do so uh, because I wanted to minimize those consequences, minimize the uh, increasing uh, weight gain, etc. So, you know, I stopped. I stopped hundreds of times. Uh, but how do you stay stopped? <laughs> that's the that's the thing. You know, when I came here, I was a broken young woman, an empty shell of a human being. I had no sense of family, no sense of community, uh, no ethics at that point. Very little morals. I was basically a loose cannon, just trying to find a way to exist in the world. The madness was so severe. Um, you know focusing only on the physical and keeping only the food down was not enough for someone like me because not compulsive overeating has no effect on the disease of compulsive overeating for a real compulsive overeater like me. You know, because my my real problem resides in my mind. My real problem resides in my mind. So this just speaks to me of the progression. I had been compulsive overeating since I was a little kid, but I did not know what I was up against, and I certainly did not understand the depths to which this disease would take me. But I came here destroyed with nowhere else to go. I couldn't live. I couldn't die. Uh, I I was cornered exactly where the big book suggests we be. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph?
0: Paula, why don't you go
4: ahead and read that next paragraph,
12: please?
4: This would be Paula recovered compulsive reader. A man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He was very nervous in the morning. After these bouts, he quieted himself with more liquor. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would get nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control whatever. He made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had to retire, he would not touch another drop. An exceptional man. He remained bone dry for 25 years. He retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has that his long period of sobriety and self discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Out came the carpet slippers in a bottle. In two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital meantime, then gathering all his forces. He attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, was at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly, and was dead within four years. Well, they're a powerful attribute, uh, a testimony to. You can't do it alone. This man could go far on his long on his own, and and as we could. We're very, very uh, strong-willed. Oh, yeah, Lottie, we can fit that one. And he was going to do this. Darn, he wasn't going to let this get him. But in the end, it did get him, didn't it? And we see clearly, once he started, and he says, this is the part, he had no control whatever. But he figured when he wasn't starting, well, then I could stay stopped. Not on his own. Not on his own. And you see what he used it for. He was very nervous in the morning and it quieted him. But I'll tell you, I love that line about the mind. That mind, what he thought, it doesn't matter. This disease will take you unless you have another thought to replace it there has to be can't do it alone though he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic okay there i am every alcoholic has here again i was not the exception to the rule that his long period of sobriety oh there you go now i can do it now it's different same body same mind same consequences and self-discipline, oh, there you go, pat on the back, got my medals, had qualified him to drink as other men. There, doesn't it say on the first page, delusion, obsession, illusion. And not like other men. And then we see what ended up happening. He tried to regulate his drink for a while. Well, see, it's been so long now, I can have a little. I can have a little. There ain't no thing, no such thing as a little with us. Maybe for one day, maybe two days. But oh no, it will overpower you. It will. Making several trips to the hospital. And I love this. Then gathering all his forces. Everything. I'll, I'll get this and I'll do that. He attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. He could not. It didn't matter whether he wanted to at this point. As was said, this disease is progressing. <sighs> every attempt failed. Every attempt. And he went to pieces quickly. Quickly. For some quickly, for some slowly. But to pieces you will go. Thank you for allowing me to read. And with that, I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is
12: Leia. Oh, go ahead, Leia. Yes, very important lesson here that the big book is teaching me here. Um, This statement. Then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. I mean, this was my experience, you know, just attending to the physical, just like this man of 30 is doing. This man of 30, he's a very determined, highly motivated fellow. He wants to succeed in business, so he makes a decision to uh, put the, you know, Plug in the jug, and he remained bone dry. Very, uh, very a determined fellow here. He remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. So he achieved his goal, which was to to uh, be successful and happy in his business career. But then he fell victim to a belief. See this? The big book is teaching me again that all action is born in thought, this man was sober, was sober. The true insanity is prior to picking up that drink. He's still got the allergy of the body. He's still going to be allergic to alcohol. He's still going to have that uh, phenomenon of craving triggered. But it begins in the mind. It's just like me, you know, I used to come into OA meetings thinking that, you know, with this overpowering desire of mine, I would be abstinent and, um, until I achieved a weight loss and then thought that I could eat safely, and so, you know, that was enough. You know, my work was done. Most of us believe that if we remain abstinent for a long stretch, we could thereafter eat normally, you know, the main problem exists in my mind just like this gentleman he took a drink which triggered the allergy so his real problem is the form this form of insanity that tells him he can take a drink after being sober for 25 years which is exactly what happened to me my main problem rests in my mind overeating is merely a symptom this rests in my mind, not my intellect, but my values, my beliefs, my ideas. I did not want to believe who and what I was. And at a point, we make a decision and based on that lie, we, we, we take action on that lie, we pick up a, a first bite of our substance and we trigger that phenomenon of craving and we go on a spree all over again. That's why the big book describes my disease as a self-imposed crisis. I make a decision. The brownie does not catapult itself off the counter and down my throat. I make a decision in abstinence to invite the disease back into my life. <laughs> and uh, that's all born in thought. And that's why the whole program of recovery has to change my mind. The problem resides in my mind, therefore the recovery has to occur in my mind. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to
0: share on what was read?
13: This is Nicole. Nicole, go ahead. Hi, everybody. This is Nicole, gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. What I love in this paragraph is where it talks about how he tried things that money Could buy. And it makes me think about how, you know, truly the best things in life are the things that money cannot buy love, friendship, forgiveness, and, of course, a relationship with God. And um, very often in our culture, at least I'm speaking here in America, you know, we tend to think of money as being the end all be all. Oh, if I only had the money, then I could do anything. And here's just a classic example of how God trumps it all. He is the ultimate source. He is the ultimate power. And it takes a humility and a willingness on our part to put down what we think is really the solution. And so I just love that because this program is open to everybody. You don't have to be in any financial status. You don't have to be of any um, economical status or in... in, uh, any kind of schooling, it's it's just open to everybody because God has arms that are open to all, and we can just come freely. And even the fact that OA itself is a free program, it inhibits nobody from doing this program. So with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Nicole. Would anyone else like to share on what was read?
7: This is Janice.
0: Janice, go ahead.
7: Thank you, Christy. Thank you. You know, I'd always prided myself on my intellect. I'd always prided myself on my intellect. And I thought I could think myself out of any problem. Think myself out of any problem. And this kind of a problem, this problem with food, I thought I could think my way out of that too. And so I would have periods of abstinence think my way out of the food and into a period of abstinence. But that could not be sustained. You know, all the power of my will, just like this man, I could bring to bear for a period of time. For a period of time. But a true compulsive overeater like myself, it's only temporary. It's only temporary because the power of my mind, a very sick mind, I could not stand to be disturbed and the more instances of disturbance that happened to me, the more it became like holding my breath underwater and the inevitable would happen that I would have to come to the surface for a breath and take that first compulsive bite. And once I did, the phenomenon of craving kicked in and the obsession of the mind was so powerful, so powerful. And it grew in scope and power. It grew. And when I was approached by someone in whom the problem had been solved, and this was explained to me, I laid down my intellect. I put my blinders on. I held out my hand and said, help me. Help me, because I recognized myself. But I had to get to that point where I saw that I was a compulsive overeater of that variety. And nothing was going to help except he who made my mind, that power greater than me, to guide me to a place of freedom and happiness. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Janice, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Marsha, are you available to read a vision for you? Yes, I am.